the Bible, the book that has changed the world by changing lives around the world. Men and women, young and old, the Bible has changed my life. The love, stability, and hope that I need, they're all found in the Bible. The Bible gives me hope that a new day is coming. The Bible is helping me see what really matters. The Bible Live is a -a one-of-a-kind, first-time-in-history radio program. Offering you the chance to hear a 15 to 20 minute Bible reading each weeknight. The entire Bible, every year. Hear the scriptures, then call in with your comments and questions. This is the best show in the world. Well, actually, I was speaking against everything you were talking about before, and uh, now I, I stand humbly corrected. I'm a pastor, and our people really need to know the word more. The Bible also transformed the life of your Bible Live host. A full-blooded Apache Indian, born out of wedlock and abandoned at birth. Soapy Dollar was found in a big city alley by a kind-hearted fortune teller, then passed around to 16 families before he was six years old. Placed in a home for homeless and delinquent boys, Soapy Dollar heard the Bible's life-changing message at the age of eight, and the course of his life was changed. He's an American Indian guitar playing all around rodeo cowboy. I keep my thumb between the pages and my heart in the book. With more degrees than a thermometer and over 40 years of introducing folks just like you to the God of the Bible. Here is Soapy Dollar. And here we are. Glad you're here with us tonight for The Bible Live. We are in those small books at the end of the Old Testament that a lot of times folks don't read. We miss them to our own detriment, though, because they are very interesting. We've almost finished the book of Amos, the farmer prophet. He raised sycamore trees and sheep, I guess it was, that he managed. Straight-talking, salt-of-the-earth, honest prophet of God. The one I remember every year because he calls the women fat cows. Only a farmer (laughs) could get away with that. Farm imagery, loaded wagons, roaring lion, mutilated sheep, a fat cow. I've mentioned a basket of ripe fruit. He speaks in terms of hunger and famine and drought and crop failure and infestations. Farming illustrations, farming terminology, as he warns and tries to call the people of Israel, the northern kingdom, back to their relationship with God. Let me go back and review these minor prophets. Hosea, his name means salvation, called upon by God to marry this woman named Gomer, a prostitute, knowing that she was going to be unfaithful to him. It's a picture of God's redemptive plan, his grace, his mercy, his patience, as he preaches to the northern tribes as well. Joel, his theme is the day of the Lord, as he opens with the locust infestation, and he talks about God's judgment. He preaches to Judah in the south. These prophets are addressing either the northern or southern kingdoms, or sometimes both. Tonight, we're going to finish up the book of Amos. We're going to read Obadiah. He preaches to Edom, basically, the Edomites, descendants of Esau, brother of Jacob. Obadiah, the shortest book in the Old Testament. And then finally, Jonah, this prophet who rebels and does not follow God's commands to him. But before we get to the minor prophets, let's go to our wisdom and worship segment. Tonight, Psalm 135, a hymn of great praise to the living God. Psalm 135, 1-12 Praise the Lord. Praise the name of the Lord. Praise Him, you who serve the Lord, you who serve in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the house of our God. 
Praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Celebrate his wonderful name with music, for the Lord has chosen Jacob for himself, Israel for his own special treasure. I know the greatness of the Lord, that our Lord is greater than any other God. The Lord does whatever pleases him throughout all heaven and earth, and on the seas and in their depths. He causes the clouds to rise over the earth. He sends the lightning with the rain and releases the wind from his storehouses. He destroyed the firstborn in each Egyptian home, both people and animals. He performed miraculous signs and wonders in Egypt. Pharaoh and all his people watched. He struck down great nations and slaughtered mighty kings. Sihon, king of the Amorites, Og, king of Bashan, and all the kings of Canaan. He gave their land as an inheritance, a special possession to his people Israel. End of reading, Psalm 135, 1 through 12. God will make a way where there seems to be no way. He works in ways we cannot see. He will make a way for me. You're listening to The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Hold me closely to his side. And we are back. We're going to pick up tonight, continuing our way through the book of Amos, the farmer who uses farmer terminology in his messages. There's a beautiful passage tonight. The time is coming, says the Lord, when I will send a famine on the land, not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. Beautiful girls, strong young men will grow faint in that day, thirsting for God's word. Part of our vision and our passion for the Bible Live is to help to restore the respect for and the knowledge of God's word to our culture and to our city. We're going to read about Jonah tonight, and then we're going to get slightly into the book of Micah as well. Jonah is different from the other prophetic books because it tells the story of the prophet, not so much his messages. The Bible Live. Amos 8, 4 through Obadiah and Jonah to Micah 1, 9. Amos 8. Listen to this, you who rob the poor and trample the needy. You can't wait for the Sabbath day to be over and the religious festivals to end so you can get back to cheating the helpless. You measure out your grain in false measures and weigh it out on dishonest scales. And you mix the wheat you sell with chaff swept from the floor. Then you enslave poor people for a debt of one piece of silver or a pair of sandals. Now the Lord has sworn this oath by his own name, the pride of Israel. I will never forget the wicked things you have done. The earth will tremble for your deeds and everyone will mourn. The land will rise up like the Nile River at flood time, toss about and sink again. At that time, says the sovereign Lord, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth while it is still day. I will turn your celebrations into times of mourning, and your songs of joy will be turned to weeping. You will wear funeral clothes and shave your heads as signs of sorrow, as if your only son had died. How very bitter that day will be! The time is surely coming, says the Sovereign Lord, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread or water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. People will stagger everywhere from sea to sea, searching for the word of the Lord, running here and going there, but they will not find it. Beautiful girls and fine young men will grow faint and weary, thirsting for the Lord's word. And those who worship and swear by the idols of Samaria, Dan and Beersheba, will fall down, never to rise again. This is the Bible, live with Soapy Dollar. Amos 9. 
Then I saw a vision of the Lord standing beside the altar. He said, Strike the tops of the temple columns so hard that the foundation will shake. Smash the columns so the roof will crash down on the people below. Then those who survive will be slaughtered in battle. No one will escape. Even if they dig down to the place of the dead, I will reach down and pull them up. Even if they climb up into the heavens, I will bring them down. Even if they hide at the very top of Mount Carmel, I will search them out and capture them. Even if they hide at the bottom of the ocean, I will send the great sea serpent after them to bite and destroy them. Even if they are driven into exile, I will command the sword to kill them there. I am determined to bring disaster upon them and not to help them. The Lord, the Lord Almighty, touches the land and it melts, and all its people mourn. The ground rises like the Nile River at flood time, and then it sinks again. The upper stories of the Lord's home are in the heavens while its foundation is on the earth. He draws up water from the oceans and pours it down as rain on the land. The Lord is his name. Do you Israelites think you are more important to me than the Ethiopians? asked the Lord. I brought you out of Egypt, but have I not done as much for other nations too? I brought the Philistines from Crete and led the Arameans out of Kerr. I, the Sovereign Lord, am watching this sinful nation of Israel, and I will uproot it and scatter its people across the earth. Yet I have promised that I will never completely destroy the family of Israel, says the Lord. For I have commanded that Israel be persecuted by the other nations, as grain is sifted in a sieve. Yet not one true kernel will be lost. But all the sinners will die by the sword. All those who say nothing bad will happen to us, in that day I will restore the fallen kingdom of David. It is now like a house in ruins, but I will rebuild its walls and restore its former glory. And Israel will possess what is left of Edom and all the nations I have called to be mine. I, the Lord, have spoken, and I will do these things. The time will come, says the Lord, when the grain and grapes will grow faster than they can be harvested. Then the terraced vineyards on the hills of Israel will drip with sweet wine. I will bring my exiled people of Israel back from distant lands, and they will rebuild their ruined cities and live in them again. They will plant vineyards and gardens. They will eat their crops and drink their wine. I will firmly plant them there in the land I have given them, says the Lord your God. Then they will never be uprooted again. This is the Bible lie with Soapy Dollar. The Book of Obadiah, Obadiah 1. This is the vision that the Sovereign Lord revealed to Obadiah concerning the land of Edom. We have heard a message from the Lord that an ambassador was sent to the nations to say, Get ready, everyone! Let's assemble our armies and attack Edom! The Lord says, I will cut you down to size among the nations, Edom. You will be small and despised. You are proud because you live in a rock fortress and make your home high in the mountains. Who can ever reach us way up here, you ask boastfully? Don't fool yourselves. Though you soar as high as eagles and build your nest among the stars, I will bring you crashing down. I, the Lord, have spoken. If thieves came at night and robbed you, they would not take everything. Those who harvest grapes always leave a few for the poor, but your enemies will wipe you out completely. Every nook and cranny of Edom will be searched and looted. Every treasure will be found and taken. All your allies will turn against you. They will help to chase you from your land. They will promise you peace while plotting your destruction. Your trusted friends will set traps for you, and you won't even know about it. At that time, not a single wise person will be left in the whole land of Edom, says the Lord. For on the mountains of Edom I will destroy everyone who has wisdom and understanding. The mightiest warriors of Taman will be terrified. 
and everyone on the mountains of Edom will be cut down in the slaughter. And why? Because of the violence you did to your close relatives in Israel. Now you will be destroyed completely and filled with shame forever. For you deserted your relatives in Israel during their time of greatest need. You stood aloof, refusing to lift a finger to help when foreign invaders carried off their wealth and cast lots to divide up Jerusalem. You acted as though you were one of Israel's enemies. You shouldn't have done this. You shouldn't have gloated when they exiled your relatives to distant lands. You shouldn't have rejoiced because they were suffering such misfortune. You shouldn't have crowed over them as they suffered these disasters. You shouldn't have plundered the land of Israel when they were suffering such calamity. You shouldn't have gloated over the destruction of your relatives, looting their homes and making yourselves rich at their expense. You shouldn't have stood at the crossroads killing those who tried to escape. You shouldn't have captured the survivors, handing them over to their enemies in that terrible time of trouble. The day is near when I, the Lord, will judge the godless nations. As you have done to Israel, so it will be done to you. All your evil deeds will fall back on your own heads. Just as you swallowed up my people on the holy mountain, so you and the surrounding nations will swallow up the punishment I pour out on you. Yes, you nations will drink and stagger and disappear from history, as though you had never even existed. But Jerusalem will become a refuge for those who escape. It will be a holy place, and the people of Israel will come back to reclaim their inheritance. At that time, Israel will be a raging fire, and Edom a field of dry stubble. The fire will roar across the field, devouring everything and leaving no survivors in Edom. I, the Lord, have spoken. Then my people living in the Negev will occupy the mountains of Edom. Those living in the foothills of Judah will possess the Philistine plains and take over the fields of Ephraim and Samaria. And the people of Benjamin will occupy the land of Gilead. The exiles of Israel will return to their land and occupy the Phoenician coast as far north as Zarephath. The captives from Jerusalem exiled in the north will return to their homeland and resettle the villages of the Negev. Deliverers will go up to Mount Zion in Jerusalem to rule over the mountains of Edom, and the Lord himself will be king. This is the Bible live with Soapy Dollar. The Book of Jonah. Jonah 1. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction in order to get away from the Lord. He went down to the seacoast to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and went on board, hoping that by going away to the west, he could escape from the Lord. But as the ship was sailing along, suddenly the Lord flung a powerful wind over the sea, causing a violent storm that threatened to send them to the bottom. Fearing for their lives, the desperate sailors shouted to their gods for help and threw the cargo overboard to lighten the ship. And all this time Jonah was sound asleep down in the hold. So the captain went down after him. How can you sleep at a time like this, he shouted. Get up and pray to your God. Maybe he will have mercy on us and spare our lives. Then the crew cast lots to see which of them had offended the gods and caused the terrible storm. When they did this, Jonah lost the toss. What have you done to bring this awful storm down on us, they demanded. Who are you? What is your line of work? What country are you from? What is your nationality? And Jonah answered, I am a Hebrew, and I worship the Lord, the God of heaven, who made the sea and the land. 
Then he told them that he was running away from the Lord. The sailors were terrified when they heard this. Oh, why did you do it? They groaned. And since the storm was getting worse all the time, they asked him, What should we do to you to stop this storm? Throw me into the sea, Jonah said, and it will become calm again, for I know that this terrible storm is all my fault. Instead, the sailors tried even harder to row the boat ashore, but the stormy sea was too violent for them, and they couldn't make it. Then they cried out to the Lord, Jonah's God, O oh Lord, they pleaded, don't make us die for this man's sin, and don't hold us responsible for his death, because it isn't our fault. O oh Lord, you have sent this storm upon him for your own good reasons. Then the sailors picked Jonah up and threw him into the raging sea, and the storm stopped at once. The sailors were awestruck by the Lord's great power, and they offered him a sacrifice and vowed to serve him. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and three nights. Jonah 2. Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. He said, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the world of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. How will I ever again see your holy temple? I sank beneath the waves, and death was very near. The waters closed in around me, and seaweed wrapped itself around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was locked out of life and imprisoned in the land of the dead. But you, O oh Lord my God, have snatched me from the yawning jaws of death. When I had lost all hope, I turned my thoughts once more to the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise, and I will fulfill all my vows. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit up Jonah on the beach, and it did. Jonah 3. Then the Lord spoke to Jonah a second time. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh, and deliver the message of judgment I have given you. This time Jonah obeyed the Lord's command and went to Nineveh, a city so large that it took three days to see it all. On the day Jonah entered the city, he shouted to the crowds, Forty days from now Nineveh will be destroyed! The people of Nineveh believed God's message, and from the greatest to the least, they decided to go without food and wear sackcloth to show their sorrow. When the king of Nineveh heard what Jonah was saying, he stepped down from his throne and took off his royal robes. He dressed himself in sackcloth and sat on a heap of ashes. Then the king and his nobles sent this decree throughout the city. No one, not even the animals, may eat or drink anything at all. Everyone is required to wear sackcloth and pray earnestly to God. Everyone must turn from their evil ways and stop all their violence. Who can tell? Perhaps even yet God will have pity on us and hold back his fierce anger from destroying us. When God saw that they had put a stop to their evil ways, he had mercy on them and didn't carry out the destruction he had threatened. This is the Bible lie with Soapy Dollar. Jonah 4. This change of plans upset Jonah, and he became very angry, so he complained to the Lord about it. Didn't I say before I left home that you would do this, Lord? That is why I ran away to Tarshish. 
I knew that you were a gracious and compassionate God, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. I knew how easily you could cancel your plans for destroying these people. Just kill me now, Lord. I'd rather be dead than alive because nothing I predicted is going to happen. The Lord replied, Is it right for you to be angry about this? Then Jonah went out to the east side of the city and made a shelter to sit under as he waited to see if anything would happen to the city. And the Lord God arranged for a leafy plant to grow there, and soon it spread its broad leaves over Jonah's head, shading him from the sun. This eased some of his discomfort, and Jonah was very grateful for the plant. But God also prepared a worm. The next morning at dawn, the worm ate through the stem of the plant, so that it soon died and withered away. And as the sun grew hot, God sent a scorching east wind to blow on Jonah. The sun beat down on his head until he grew faint and wished to die. Death is certainly better than this, he exclaimed. Then God said to Jonah, Is it right for you to be angry because the plant died? Yes, Jonah retorted, even angry enough to die. Then the Lord said, You feel sorry about the plant, though you did nothing to put it there. And a plant is only, at best, short-lived. But Nineveh has more than 120,000 people living in spiritual darkness, not to mention all the animals. Shouldn't I feel sorry for such a great city? The Book of Micah, Micah 1 The Lord gave these messages to Micah of Moresheth during the years when Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah were kings of Judah. The messages concerned both Samaria and Jerusalem, and they came to Micah in the form of visions. Attention! Let all the people of the world listen! The Sovereign Lord has made accusations against you. The Lord speaks from His holy temple. Look! The Lord is coming! He leaves His throne in heaven and comes to earth, walking on the high places. They melt beneath His feet and flow into the valleys like wax in a fire, like water pouring down a hill. And why is this happening? Because of the sins and rebellion of Israel and Judah. Who is to blame for Israel's rebellion? Samaria, its capital city. Where is the center of idolatry in Judah? In Jerusalem, its capital. So I, the Lord, will make the city of Samaria a heap of rubble. Her streets will be plowed up for planting vineyards. I will roll the stones of her walls down into the valley below, exposing all her foundations. All her carved images will be smashed to pieces. All her sacred treasures will be burned up. These things were bought with the money earned by her prostitution, and they will now be carried away to pay prostitutes elsewhere. Because of all this, I will mourn and lament. I will walk around naked and barefoot in sorrow and shame. I will howl like a jackal and wail like an ostrich, for my people's wound is far too deep to heal. It has reached into Judah, even to the gates of Jerusalem. End of reading, Amos 8, 4 through Obadiah and Jonah to Micah 1, 9. Over the mountains and the sea, your river runs with love for me. So I will open up my heart and let the healer set me free. I'm happy this is the Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. I will daily lift my hands and I will always sing of when your love came down. I can sing of your love. These remarkable individuals, these prophets of the Old Testament. Tonight we've read from Amos, the preacher farmer, in that beautiful passage about a famine of God's Word. Not a famine of bread and water, he said, but there will be a famine of hearing God's Word. You may not believe God's Word. You may not even respect God's Word. 
but I can guarantee you, you will miss it if God's word is taken from us. You will miss that message of grace and freedom and forgiveness. Then we come to Obadiah, shortest book in the Old Testament, written basically to warn the people of Edom, the descendants of Esau, the twin brother of Jacob, who became Israel. His name was changed to Israel because he wrestled with God. That's what the word means, wrestle with God in one, and became a type of the people of God, those who respond to God. The Edomites mocked and ridiculed the people of Israel when they were attacked, those who mock and those who ridicule and those who persecute the people of God. God will hold them accountable. Then we come to this Jonah, very unique among the books of the prophets. It doesn't focus on his sermon, his messages, so much as it does on the story of the prophet himself. Now, his message in English, as we have it, was a seven-word message. In 40 days, Nineveh will be destroyed. That was it, and not much hope at that. Jonah, of course, did not want to go to Nineveh, the capital of Assyria in the north, because he had grown up fearing them, resenting and hating the people of the north because they were such a threat to Israel and to Judah in the south. Nineveh was a giant city, eight miles across, with walls about 30 feet wide all around the city. That's the city proper. The actual metropolitan district was maybe 40 miles, very wide, a very great city. It may have been close to a million people, 120,000 who don't know their right from their left hand, probably talking of infants and children. And Jonah did not have compassion for them. We as God's people are called to have great compassion for the lost. People can respond. I've been to India, Mongolia, Ukraine, Kazakhstan, Russia, places where God's word was negated and neglected for decades. And sometimes people hearing the gospel for the very first time open their hearts. And that's what we see here. The sailors pleaded for mercy. They were forgiven. Jonah prayed inside the fish. He was saved. Ninevites repented when they heard the preaching of God. So should we, my friends. Beautiful reading from the psalm tonight. The second section of Psalm 135 goes into the absurdity, the foolishness of worshiping any idols, worshiping other gods besides the true and living God of Scripture. Well, Jonah, as I said before, called out to God from the great fish from the belly, and he was saved. The sailors who showed more mercy than Jonah because they at least were concerned for his life. Jonah didn't care about the lives of the Ninevites, but they pleaded for mercy, and they were converted and saved, we see in the passage. Ninevites repented. This is one of the great revivals of all time and the greatest revival of the Bible. Maybe tonight you would like to follow that example by submitting your heart and your life to Jesus the Christ and receiving his forgiveness of sin and his... Soapy Reads from the New Living Translation by Tyndale House Publishers. The Bible Live is dedicated to helping promote spiritual revival across America and your financial support is needed. Please mail your tax-deductible gift to The Bible Live, Post Office Box 18888. That's The Bible Live... P.O. Box 18888, San Antonio, Texas, 78218. You may also make credit card donations at the ministry website, thebiblelive.com. Now don't forget, join us each weekday for The Bible Live with Soapy Dollar. Start today, and in one year's time, we will read and respond together to the entire Bible.
Let the most important word you hear each day be God's word.